Today on the Women Mind the Water podcast, I'm speaking with Maria Westerbos. Maria began her career as a science journalist and over more than two decades has worked in television broadcasting and production. In 2011, Maria established the Plastic Soup Foundation. The nonprofit focuses on issues pertaining to environmental and health consequences of plastic pollution. The Women Mind the Water podcast engages artists in conversation about their work and explores their connection with the ocean. Through their stories, Women Mind the Water hopes to inspire and encourage action to protect the ocean and her creatures. Today, I'm speaking with Maria Westerbos, a Dutch woman who is well-versed in mass communication and plastic pollution. Maria and I are going to talk about plastics and microfibers. Microfibers are a subject I think many of us know little about, yet our lives are significantly impacted by microfibers. Microfibers are found in the synthetic materials that make up our clothes, our mattresses, and much more. As an activist, Maria is concerned with messages that inform us about the problems inherent with microfibers. As an artist skilled in communication, Maria oversees the design of campaigns that target microfibers. I am pleased to have Maria on the Women Mind the Water podcast. In today's episode, we will explore how Maria became interested in the plastic issue. We'll look at how she's applied her broadcasting and production experience to design campaigns to raise awareness about plastics and inspire people to take action. Welcome, Maria. I am pleased you could join me on the Women Mind the Water Artivist podcast. I'd like to begin by asking you to give our listeners an idea about what the Netherlands is like. Well, the Netherlands is um, uh, the lowest land of Europe. So all the water, all the big rivers are flooding into our country, which also means that we have the most dirty rivers of all of Europe. Because everything they throw in the water in France ends up in Holland. Um, that said, it's a very friendly, flat country, like a pancake. Um, I remember having foreign guests who only really yelled, this is a pancake, I can look so far. There is no horizon here. And that's the truth. We, the biggest, the highest mountain is 300 meters, I think, and it's in the south near Belgium. And lots uh, of bicycles. Lots of bicycles. We, we do everything on bike and lots of water. We are masters of water. And control of water. Okay. So how did it happen that you began your career as a science journalist? Well, I was studying journalism, but I was really very young and um, it was a little bit overwhelming. So I changed my ways and um, left the uh, uh, academy with a, uh, with a very nice written, how do you say that, diploma, something like that. Right, Yes. Yeah, I reckon that I did very well. And then I started uh, studying social science. And there they discovered my talent for communication. So they asked me to work next to my study work for the university. And that's where I learned how you can um, um, uh, have, if, if language can be very complicated and um, scientists have the tension of making very uh, complex articles. And I learned very early how you can make that easy, accessible for other people. Okay, so at what point did you become interested in the plastic issue? 
Well, that was, um, uh, I was working 25 years in tele already, and um, I had a uh, uh, researcher working for me, and I asked him to look into all the big problems of our time. So the lack of uh, uh, sweet water, uh, the lack of food, the lack of energy, everything. Um, the the loss of uh, the, uh, biodiversity, uh, the, the bees dying. And uh, I said, come back with me, come back with me when you have found solutions or if you find things that are not solvable. And he came back in the end, everything was solvable. And he came back with two things. That was the bees, the starvation of the bees. And he came back with uh, the plastic soup. And that was where that was that at that moment I got struck by lightning. And I'm not the only one in the world that has that sensation. And he told me what happened under my watch um, uh, with plastic and that it doesn't go away and that the oceans were were overwhelmed by our trash and that, you know. So I only thought, how is that possible? And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, let other people pet the bees. I'm going to focus on plastic soup. This is my destination. And I changed my ways completely. And I organized in 2009 a huge event with television for National Geographic to tell Holland to start with about plastic soup. And I invited Charles Moore, who is, uh, who is uh, known for discovering the plastic soup. And I invited um, um, uh, ministers and uh, um, everybody. Hi, UNEP was there and uh, industry. And we reached that day, I think, 7 million people. And we only wow. had at that moment um, 60 million or 50 million people. So it was an incredible outreach. It was the first time um, the world or Holland heard of the plastic soup. And that was also the moment that I thought, I cannot, I cannot keep on going and making television. So that changing of career was to found plastic soup? Yeah. All right. So that's a very evocative name, plastic soup. Would you say that plastic soup is an apt description of the Netherlands? No, no, no. It was Charles Moore and he knew somebody and they, they talked about what he saw in 1997. He was with his catamaran uh, sailing and uh, um, uh, a race. He, uh, the catamaran broke down. He was in the middle of nowhere, uh, far from the coast. And there he saw plastic coming, uh, drifting by. And then he thought, what's this? This is impossible. It cannot be. And he came back to uh, to land and um, he changed. He was struck by lightning as I was after him. And he, uh, he, he changed his ways. He sold his company and started researching um, the issue and called it plastic soup. So it, the name is coming from the uh, from the States, not from okay. us. All right. So how do you go about designing a campaign to engage people in the topic of microfibros? And I'd like to know if you've considered eco-anxiety when you design your messaging. Yes, that's why um, when it's about fibers, that's very hard, especially since we know that um, these fibers are causing inflammation in our lungs, um, are absorbed by um, uh, are getting this little that they enter the bloodstream. 
um, and from there travel through our entire body. Um, um, our immune system is getting um, um, a very, uh, how do you say, over um, overloaded. Over yes, right. Yeah, and start and start and stresses out, and then the immune cells die. So. What I did to start with is in 2018 in Canada, where I was talking in front of the entire Sustainable Apparel Coalition with over 300 brands in, in the venue. I told them, if I can prove that we are getting sick from your clothes, I will sue you. If nobody is listening and not finding answers, I need you to look for answers. Change your fast fashion into slow fashion. Make better yarn. Make sure that it cannot enter our sewage uh, systems anymore because washing machines can stop it. There are innovations that can solve it. So I started with alarming industry and at the same time look for looking for solutions. My team started looking for solutions. In the end, well, they don't listen. So um, industry is um, not very active. They say they're active, but they are not doing so much. So we are now, this year, we will, in May, we will start a campaign uh, where we will tell the world that um, uh, uh, that it's not only um, uh, uh, fast fashion changing in slow fashion, but that it's fatal fashion. So what are, do all fibers, all clothes that we wear, have the microfibers that we're concerned with or a particular type of cloth? Uh, especially polyester, acrylic, and nylon. Those are the, uh, the culprits. Um, and then uh, nylon is the most aggressive for the immune system. Um, and then that not underestimates the chemicals that are in those yarns also. And those chemicals are uh, hurting our health also. Okay. So um, maybe you can use the foundation's microfiber campaign as an example. How has the Plastic Soup Foundation approached the topic in, in designing an ad? Well, what we do is we don't want to, uh, what you say, uh, um, go for eco-anxiety, because I think that's very difficult. And what I also do think is that um, you cannot tell people you're getting uh, sick from your clothes. That's too difficult. That's, that's there, you, there you scare people. You scare people with that message. So what we are looking for is now we are going to rank the brands and um, see how they work on sustainability and the loss of fibers. And we will address uh, a message to them and involving the big audience and tell what are you going to do about it. So we are going to surf on the, uh, on the involvement of the, of the big public. We are going to ask women and uh, especially women all over the world to uh, uh, raise their voice and tell industry to change their ways. So in the Netherlands, when you're putting together a campaign, which is more important, the visuals or the language? Both. You cannot, you, 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 um, I, I believe in humor. I did send you a little clip about uh, people doing the laundry and, uh, well, you have seen it probably. So that's a lot of fun. Um, you bring fun in there. Um, and we give people advices how you can um, uh, reduce your own fiber loss. 
um, we help them and we involve them. And uh, what we do is we call it the wheel of change. And we are, we are like um, a communication bureau. Uh, we act like mass, mass, mass communicators. So we focus on knowledge. We work with scientists to be sure of everything we say. We are not saying just something like that. And then we address uh, industry. We ask them to change their ways. We do that behind uh, walls. So we don't involve the audience there yet, the public. And if that doesn't work, we start uh, campaigning publicly. So we are getting, um, we are making it big. I love that uh, what's called mermaid video. It, it, it's nice, intriguing because it? it sucks you in because you think you're watching, you know, yeah. sexual foreplay. And then at the end, it's a message. And I'm going to play that in the background, if you don't mind, when I put the, sure. the video together, because it really is fun and it definitely, I imagine it catches lots of eyes and people are watching and then I won't spoil the ending, but you're really like, oh my goodness, what, what just happened? I believe in that way of communicating. And with that, you, uh, you give people an, uh, an, uh, an URL where they can find tips and uh, tri tricks and tips to um, reduce the loss of fibers themselves. So is it difficult to design a message that is for a broad audience? I mean, there must be differences between the Dutch audience and, and the audience in the U.S. in terms of either what's engaging or the color palettes. Is, is there a difference or do you no. just go, no? No, I can, there are, I can tell two things about that. Um, um, we reached um, last year, we had an outreach of 2.8 billion people on our Plastic Soup Foundation name and 2.7 billion on our campaigns. And people often think that we are in New York in a skyscraper and have 1,000 people working for us instead 30 people um, at the I Rivers in, in the middle of Amsterdam. So um, uh, uh, what, what, what we do is we surf on the emotions of people. What we do is we address an issue with, um, with, with humor, but always trustworthy. And um, Holland is the middle of 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 the world. So our biggest producers, who also uh, were the founders of Big Brother and The Voice, they always say if something succeeds in Holland, it succeeds everywhere. So I'm living in a very nice garden where you can try out everything. So I'm blessed in that way. I don't believe in, in very dark messages. It's about hope. Let's, let's twist the coin and look at the other side of the coin. And if we join forces with, with art and with humor, with music, I don't care. We can do it all together. We can make a difference. We can, we can, we can beat um, the desire of making more and more money and uh, explore, exploring the, the world. Uh, you I, ho know. I hope you're right on that one. So um, do you think after the two plus years of being in COVID, people are just exhausted? Or do you think they're seeking calls to action because they want to feel that they can exert control? Youngsters have more trouble with climate anxiety because they are not used of uh, having setbacks, big setbacks. 
So, um, but the world is getting more in balance again. I do think um, it it changes our world and the way how we look at each other. And if we, if I am right, we will have the opportunity now to uh, make it better. This the the next ten years will be uh, will be it. It will it's crucial, it will, right? Crucial. That's yeah. it. So, what advice do you have in terms of what people can do to make a difference? to address the issue of microfiber pollution in the ocean. Don't wash your clothes so often. Buy a little bit less. Um, Fill your um, washing machine to the fullest. Um, uh, Use a a liquid softener. Um, If you can, buy a filter, an add-on filter that will uh, get all your uh, fibers or catch all your fibers before it goes into a sewage uh, plant. Um, how does plastic, how does clothes softener help? It uh, makes the yarn uh, stronger. It's very strange, but it, oh, it's interesting. glues together. It glues together. Okay. Well, Maria, I'm grateful that you made the time to be on the Women Mind the Water podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'd like to remind listeners that I've been speaking with Maria Westerbos for the Women Mind the Water podcast series. The series can be viewed on womenmindthewater.com. An audio-only version of this podcast is available on the Women Mind the Water website, on iTunes, and other sites. Women Mind the Water is grateful to Jane Rice for the use of her song, Women of Water. All rights for the Women Mind the Water name and logo belong to Pam Ferris Olsen. This is Pam Ferris Olsen.